Our scripture reading today is uh, from Philippians 3:10 through 4:1. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others and follow my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. May God have blessings to the reading of his word. goodness. I would have hated to have heard what it would have sounded like if it asked you to whisper your answer. <laughs> that was the quietest shout I ever heard. Uh, <laughs> how many of you felt like you got it right? A few of you. All right. All right. Well, I used to teach U.S. history, so most of you would have gotten an A, it looks like. Uh, some of you, I don't know. But uh, you, we're... we're kicking off this new, uh, this new series. We'll be in it for a while. Don't worry, it won't be the same question every week. Uh, or maybe some of you wish that it was, so you'd have a chance of getting it by the end. But as I know how it is, history pop quizzes. For some people, it's, a, it's an uphill battle. But uh, anyway, we're going to launch into this thing. It's kind of, um, it's, it's different. And, and it's, it's timely, I think, when we look around at our country and the, and the condition of things today and the election process we're in and and just the things that our society does and the arguments that we're having and the tension that's out there and the division that's out there, you, you might ask yourself, 
What does it look like? How, what does it mean for me to be a Christian and to live as a Christian in America today? And that may be a kind of a concept and a sermon title that, uh, you know, maybe is a little bit, would have been odd at one point in our history where everyone kind of just considered themselves Christian, whether or not they acted like it right. And, uh, and so you just kind of, well, yeah, everybody, you know, we just, we kind of have common values, etc. Well, that, that ship has sailed if it ever was in harbor. And, and, uh, and so we've got, if you're like me at all, there's days where you look around at your country and you think, well, I mean, how am I supposed to respond to that? Or how am I supposed to deal with that? Or, or how am I supposed to live for Jesus in light of that? And so we're going to explore in this series uh, just hopefully some practical stuff. These first two weeks are really just going to be kind of laying the groundwork, if you will. Of, there's at least two things that I feel like if we can't get these first two things right, then we have no hope of living the way that Jesus would want us to live in America today. And so we have to get a couple of things straight, kind of priorities in order, if you will, uh, before we can really go much further. But what I want you to do, I want to ask you to do a couple things throughout this series. The first one is uh, pray for me <laughs> as I prepare these messages because uh, there's a lot of, especially when we get into uh, details of stuff and how, and how do we deal with certain issues. There's, uh, we have brothers and sisters in Christ that feel very differently about topics and issues in our, in our nation. We have... Even amongst Christians, there's differing in opinions. And so it's kind of hard sometimes to, to know how to shed light on something without, uh, you know, bringing offense or anything like that. So pray for me uh, and that I would seek scripture well and that he would guide me to the right things to say and share with you. Also, if you've got things that come to mind and you're like, I wonder, I've been wondering about this. And it can be something political. It can be something just societal. Uh, you know, I mean questions about is it is it really so bad if people live together before they're married now because that's pretty commonplace in, in our country and in in the church even and I mean so just any kind of topic that you have questions about write it down and there's a little canister looking thing with a slit in the top just slide your question down in there right out there in the foyer at any point during this series sooner the better so I have more time to work on it and, uh, and we'll try and answer it either over the course of this series or maybe we'll tag a message on at the end that'll just be kind of like a frequently asked questions <laughs> sort of sermon. Uh, so do that for me and, uh, and we're just going to kind of dive in here today in talking about what is patriotism's place in the life of a Christian as you try to figure out what it means for you to live in these United States as a Christian. What does that look like? And if you're here today and you're not a Christian... Uh, and you're just kind of still trying to figure this stuff out, well, this is kind of nice for you because you get to sit back and critique the rest of us and say, well, how are they doing <laughs> at living the way that a Christian should in America? First, I want to kind of just give you some background on me. I kind of grew up in, a, in an American, patriotic sort of American family. I might would even call myself kind of an all-American kid, except that if you apply that to sports... No, <laughs> definitely not an all-American in sports, but, but otherwise I was pretty all-American and, and grew up you know, in, a, in a family who has a rich heritage here in America and, and a lot of patriotic pride and so forth. And, and not only that, when I was in high school as a senior, I took AP U.S. History with this awesome teacher, which kind of inspired me in college to go on and get a secondary social studies degree. 
And then I taught U.S. history for about two and a half years, especially the, the early American history, which is my favorite. And I just, I think that there's, it's just such a cool moment in history and really a unique moment in history when they founded our nation and just the colonial era and the, you know, everything from the pilgrims to the Revolutionary War is just really intriguing to me. And I still believe when I look around, although I can't say that I've gone to every country in the world by any means, when I look around, I still count my blessings and I'm thankful that I live where I am and that we enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy and I still consider, at least for me, this to be the greatest country to live in, in this world. So that's me. And I've become aware in my life that there's been times where I think I got my own patriotism a little bit out of its place, if you will. Maybe out of its priority. Uh, Maybe where I didn't have quite the right perspective on it that I should have from a biblical standpoint. And there's several ways you you can tell about that. I mean, uh, you know, we all are familiar with the God family country order, you know, priority of things. I'm going to kind of mess with that a little bit today. But, but even if you have that order there, God, family, country, um, you know, not everyone keeps it in that order in reality, you know. I mean, we give it lip service, um, but sometimes we get things a little bit mixed up. Or we try to compartmentalize parts of our lives and, and, and say, well, that's the God stuff over there and this is the family stuff over here and this is the America stuff over here and we're not going to mix politics and religion at the dinner table or whatever, you know. So, man. But I'll tell you, I think maybe the best litmus test for you today, especially in the season that we're in as a, as a nation, is do you find yourself very often living in in negativity or fear about what's coming down the line or are you more prone to be confident and hopeful (laughs) do you ever say things around the dinner table or the water proverbial water cooler at work you know man our country's just going down the drain or it is all over if this person gets elected over there's no hope there's no coming back if they're elect, or you know, because you know what's going to happen. They're going to appoint the Supreme Court justice. They're going to do it, and then we're dealing with forty more years. <laughs> you know, I mean, the 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 you know you you know the comments that have come out of your mouth, or uh, or if you're or if you're too young to make comments like this, you know the comments that have come out of your grandparents' mouth, <laughs> right? Uh, and and. For a lot of us, you know, we're, if you're prone to saying things that are scaring your kids or grandkids, then it could be, it could be that your patriotism, or whatever you want to call that, is, is out of place a little bit. So, do you live in negativity and fear instead of hope and confidence? Well, I want us just to kind of explore some scripture And I really do think that the Bible has more than maybe we give it credit for to say when it comes to something like patriotism. There were people living back then that had a lot of patriotic pride and and had more of a claim to it, I would say, than even we do, as we're going to see. And so we're going to look at... We're going to look at patriotism's place from Paul's perspective, the Apostle Paul... And then we're going to step it up a notch and look at it from Peter's perspective. 
You know, Peter's a pretty bold guy, as we talked about in that series where we looked at Peter. And then we're just going to get flat crazy and look at what Jesus said about stuff. Because, I mean, to me, if you, if you talk about the gospel and it's not radical and disruptive to people's lives, then you're probably not preaching the gospel. Because Jesus was disruptive. I mean, he just was. He messed with people's families, he messed up nations, and he messes up people's lives on a regular basis when they encounter him. I don't mean mess up in a bad way. I mean, he just, he's a disruptive person, and the gospel is a radical thing, and he doesn't soften it up for us, does he? When we read what he actually has to say. Sometimes, the most popular words of his that we hear, you know, are the ones that sound warm and fuzzy. <laughs> but he had plenty of things to say that weren't just warm and fuzzy. So let's dive in. We're going to start with Paul in the passage that we read just a moment ago. A letter he wrote to a church that he was very fond of and had a very close relationship to. Uh, they had just sent him some financial aid that was desperately needed because he's sitting in prison under house arrest with not a whole lot of food, not a whole lot of Clothing, not a whole lot of basic necessities we can assume. Uh, there's no working for a living. He's just getting by under arrest in chains for the gospel. And he had just gotten, when he says this statement right here, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. The them that he's talking about is not a person. The them that he's talking about, and that we just read about, are in part, his patriotic credentials. He had just gone through a list of the things that he used to take great pride in. He said, I'm an Israelite. That's his, the nation that he comes from. He's an Israelite. And you want to talk about having a claim to some patriotic pride. I mean, try being God's chosen people. <laughs> All right? That's something you know, God had never done before and has never done the same way since. Of saying... Abraham, you and your descendants are going to be my people, and you, through you I'm going to bless all the nations. And, I mean, if you're an Israelite, I mean, they had something to be proud of. He said, I'm an Israelite. He said, not only that, I'm a Benjaminite. Now, that may not mean much a lot to, you know, to us today, but you know, maybe we could loosely equate it to being like, I'm a Southerner. You know, I'm a, I'm a Louisiana, I'm, in, I'm from SEC country, alright? We know how to get it done. Alright, and, and in that day, to be from the tribe of Benjamin was a big deal because of all the tribes of Israel, only a couple of them had really stayed faithful longer. Only a couple of them were really still recognizable as, as many of them had, had gotten so dispersed through exile that they hardly even knew what tribe they belonged to anymore. To be a Benjaminite was a big deal. So not only that, but of the Israelites and the Benjaminites, I was a Pharisee. I mean, I was one of the scholars, one of the teachers of the law. I was one of the leaders. I was one of the people who was, you know, trying to do my best to help this nation the best way I knew how. And he says, I count that all rubbish, garbage, a loss that I may gain Christ. I don't know each of your situations today, and this is something maybe worth praying about in your own life. Is it possible that our pride, that our heritage, even our patriotism, could come between us and Christ? 
Paul said he had to give it up. He had to consider it a loss so that he could gain Christ. I don't know where you're at today. Let's keep traveling down this road with Paul. Because he said he had to focus. He had to focus on what was ahead. He said, I haven't yet taken a hold of the prize that he's chasing after, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say, you know, if you don't feel like you're ready to let loose of that stuff in your life yet, it'll come with maturity in, in your faith and in Christ. He says, you know, all of us who are mature should take this view, he says. And if you're not there yet, keep going. <laughs> and then catch this. This is the last bit we'll look at from Paul's letter. He said, For as I've told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ, and their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. And their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. If anyone had a right to be proud of their citizenship, it would have been Paul. He actually had three separate, prestigious citizenships of an earthly kind. He had uh, the Israelite citizenship. He also was from Tarsus. He was fond of saying that he was from Tarsus, and that was a a free city in the Roman Empire. It was a big deal. If you can, it was a prominent uh, city with a proud history. And he, he would mention that from time to time. And not only that, but he had rare, prestigious, very special citizenship in Rome. Roman citizenship. A Roman citizen had, had more rights than anyone else in the world at that time. It was a big deal to have Roman citizenship. But you know, he considers earthly citizenship a loss because his citizenship is in heaven. And that's where he's focused and that's where he's racing and that's where he's going. And that's where his eyes are fixed. Where are your eyes fixed? Okay, so... I don't know if, if any of you feel uncomfortable yet, but we're going we're to get more uncomfortable, all right? Because Paul just said, look, my citizenship is in heaven. Peter kind of takes it up a notch from there. First Peter, the way he addresses his letter to the church, he says, I'm Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, I'm writing to God's elect, the, his, to Christians, who are strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. These are regions in the Roman Empire. These are nationalities. These are places where people would have been proud to be from. He could have said to the strangers living in America. That word strangers, foreigner, alien. It's like even though you're from there, you're living as, as an alien, as a foreigner in your own country. That's kind of weird. In another spot he says, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. He's asking them 
to consider themselves not only as citizens in heaven, but as foreigners and strangers here, wherever their here was, whatever their past was. And early Christians took this seriously. It's part of the reason that people were uncomfortable with them. It's part of the reason that Caesar was uncomfortable with them. Because they kept talking about their king. And it wasn't Caesar. And this wasn't just like a spiritual versus physical thing for them. For them, their king was king over everything. And his kingdom knew no boundaries. And they lived as foreigners and aliens in the kingdoms of this world because their citizenship was in heaven. But let's just get flat crazy and look at what Jesus said. Because he takes it up a notch. You know, we've been dealing with, in the God family country hierarchy, we've been dealing with God versus country. Let's take God versus family just to take it up a notch and see what Jesus says about it. He's talking to his disciples here. He says these words. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoo, Jesus. I want you to consider, though, for a moment, the situation of his disciples, because it put this in pretty clear perspective for them. See, Maybe you've heard of people who become a Christian out of like a Muslim household and their parents disown them, right? And that's that's pretty common in Near East culture across the board, Uh, even just Eastern culture, really a lot of cultures. If you abandon what the family's, whatever, you know, religion is, then they cut you off, right? Well, for a lot of Jesus followers, choosing Jesus was a clear choice between their family, who would disown them if they did, and Jesus. So they had to decide. What is literally the priority for me? Is it my heritage, my family, my relatives, or is it Jesus? We might say... As we look at what Jesus said, at what Peter said, at what Paul said, we might kind of sum it up as what will matter in the end is not your country, but your king. What will matter in the end is not your country that you were from, but who your king is. You know, like what kingdom you're a part of. Because, I mean, you can keel over singing the national anthem. They can bury you in a coffin draped with the American flag and bury you in American soil. But when the trumpet sounds and Jesus returns, you're not going to resurrect an American. Are you? (laughs) You're going to resurrect a Christian. You're going to resurrect a child of the king. And so, your American citizenship is temporary, period. So maybe that's how Paul was able to count it a loss. (laughs) Because he was going to lose it sooner or later. Anyway... But there's a citizenship that we cannot lose. But this is not even really sufficient to say what will matter in the end is not your country but your king. And and likewise, God, family, country is not quite sufficient 
either unless you make an assumption. Because see, what, what Jesus says about family, he took it a little bit further. It's just a couple chapters later in our Bibles that we looked at Matthew 10. This is Matthew 12. His, his mom and brothers had just shown up. And this is what Jesus said when someone came to him and said, Hey, your mom and brothers are out here. He said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. See, the thing about saying that it's not your country that matters but your king is that every king has a kingdom. Or else they're not a king of anything. (laughs) And so to say that our priority is God, family, country is not quite sufficient unless you consider the fact that God has a people, has a kingdom of his own. So I would just suggest a, a slight edit to you. Uh, you, can, you can fill it in as kingdom, or you can fill it in as, as capital C church. I'm not talking about the lowercase c church. I'm not saying that, that if you have praise team practice, that should always trump your family. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when it comes to your priorities in life, God and his kingdom, you know, seek first the kingdom of God, and then everything else, okay? So, God and his kingdom should come first, and then family, and then country. And that means that you have a citizenship, a country, that you belong to, that's primary. And anything else you belong to is secondary at best. And that includes America. We have to own that the fact that though we're Americans and proud to be Americans, that's secondary. It's temporary. Compared to the kingdom that we have that knows no boundaries. I believe that I have more in common with a Christian woman in Tuvalu, and that's actually a country, <laughs> than I do with my next door neighbor who doesn't believe in Christ. Even though he speaks English, <laughs> she speaks Tuvaluan, which is actually a language. <laughs> I looked that up because I wasn't sure what they spoke in Tuvalu, but apparently they spook, spook Tuvaluan. Whew. Can't even say the language, much less speak it. But they're my brothers and sisters in Christ. They're my fellow citizens in the kingdom that knows no boundaries and knows no end. So, what's the point of all this? Is it just to make us feel kind of disrupted? <laughs> to feel a little bit like, hmm, you know, what, what is patriotism's place then? What, you know, have I been too patriotic? Is it just to mess with your head? I want to actually let you in on a couple of secrets. And they're not actually secrets because they're in scripture, but... The first one, I want to let you in on the secret about Paul, who wrote all that about considering his heritage, all his claims to patriotic pride as a loss so that he could gain Christ. About Paul, who said that his citizenship is in heaven. Paul was a missionary, right? He would travel all around the Roman Empire, town to town, city to city, trying to win souls for Christ. 
Do you know where his first stop was at every place he went? It was the Jewish synagogue. Before he's talked to the Greeks, before he talked to the Gentiles, even though he was known as the missionary to the Gentiles, he went somewhere he could find some of his fellow countrymen so that he could share the gospel with them first. Did you know that, did you catch that, that when Paul was saying all that about how so many people live as enemies of the, cry, of the cross in this world, but that we are citizens in heaven, did you catch that he did that not with anger in his tone, but with tears? I say again, even with tears, that so many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. So when we talk about patriotism's place, we're not talking about you can no longer care about your country, or you can no longer care about your fellow countrymen. That's clear from Paul's own example. He had tears when he considered the way that they lived. They were the first people he went to everywhere he went. But the difference was his patriotism or patriotism's place for Paul was not one of a chest-swelling, arrogant pride that looked down on other people and said, ah, you know, I'm an Israelite. I'm one of God's chosen people. The rest of you losers, take a hike, you know. I guess I would know better than you because I'm one of God's chosen people. All right, I'm a, I'm a Benjaminite, all right. It wasn't that attitude, was it? It was a, it was a broken heart for his fellow countrymen. They held a special place in his heart. And so he always went to them first. He always sought that they would no longer live as enemies of the cross. Let you in on a secret about Jesus, too. He said all that about his family and who his real family was. And, and you know, if you want to if you want to be, you know, with me, then worthy of me, then you got to count them as a loss. <laughs> that same Jesus, he cared for his mother, he cared for his brother, he cared for his disciples' relatives. From the cross, he looked down at his mother, didn't he? And he asked his fellow disciple John to help look after. His mother. We know that he must have just not treated his brothers as a total jerk because one of his brothers came to not only be a believer, but to uh, become a leader in the church. One of the, perhaps the leader of the church named James. Which, by the way, when you want to talk about proof for the resurrection, how much would it take to convince you that your sibling? Is the Son of God. <laughs> probably a lot. Probably a lot. And so, uh, but James came to believe. It, it's not that Jesus didn't care about his family. It's just knowing the place of things, knowing the priority of things. That what will matter in the end is not your country or even your family, but who your king is. I want to ask you just some questions to kind of get you thinking about the implications of this 
what it might mean in your life. And I want to ask that you pray about it and wrestle with it. And like I said, this is kind of a foundational sort of message for the rest of the series. And, and this, along with what we talk about next week, will really kind of shape when we get into a lot more practical kind of stuff. But just some food for thought. What should be more disconcerting for you? When an unbelieving criminal breaks the law, does something bad, it makes the news, or when a fellow Christian is not following God's law, what should be a bigger deal to us? What should inspire us the most? Uh, you know, maybe something like, I don't know if any of you saw, if you were watching any of the Olympics or whatever, but there was this one guy, he was a pole vaulter, he had been an army reservist, he's running down, about to do his pole vault, and he just stops short because they start playing the national anthem, and he just stands to attention. It was pretty inspiring. <laughs> if, you, if you didn't get to go see it, you can, you can still YouTube it. It's pretty impressive. But what should be more inspiring to us? An army reservist stopping mid-pole vault to stand at attention for the national anthem? Or when a soul is won for Christ? Or some other kingdom victory takes place? What sacrifice should we view as most precious? When someone give, lays their life down for America? Or when one of our brothers and sisters is martyred for their faith in Christ. What song should engage us and demand our respect and attention the most? The national anthem or the song of the redeemed, if you will? And I, and I was thinking about this, and it was kind of convicting to me, but... When they play the national anthem, I stand up, I've got my hand right here, and my eyes on the flag, all attention. Sometimes when I'm in here, if I'm not, you know, playing the guitar or something, I might be thinking about what's next, or thinking about, or just getting distracted, and, or, you know, it's, yeah, you know, we do this every week. <laughs> I'll sing the next song if I like it. I don't like this one. Which song should engage our respect and attention the most? And uh, you know, here's just a just to really mess with you. I don't know if you're if you're on Facebook much or you watch the news much. You probably heard about the whole national anthem controversy going on in the NFL, right? And, and there's been, you've probably seen some interesting discourse if you've heard any conversation about that. And there's lots of different opinions flying around on that. And some people say, well, you shouldn't even watch the NFL because they do that kind of stuff. And, and there's been some name calling going on. And it's, it's been interesting, <laughs> interesting, the little controversies that crop up in our country. But what should elicit the most anger from us? Someone who disre disrespects the flag or someone who disrespects our God? 
Sometimes I feel like we just get more fired up about America stuff than we do about God stuff. And I'm not sure if that's a sign of something that needs to be fixed in our life and in our order of priorities. But I'll also say this. When things like that come up and you're angry about it, remember before you say anything that especially in a case like that there, we have brothers and sisters in Christ who feel very differently possibly than you do about that situation I'm not saying you have to agree with them <laughs> just because we're family don't mean we agree right we all know that from our own families right but we are called in scripture to speak a certain way to treat one another with a certain way to be considerate of one another and so before I say something that I might regret later when a brother or sister in Christ reads it or hears it that feels differently about it than I am, I'm going to make sure that the way I talk about it is considerate and respectful of them and their opinions too, even if I don't agree with them. Because my citizenship that I share with them trumps my citizenship in this country, no matter how much I love it, And I'm not going to have this swollen pride that's easily injured, that easily becomes bitter or angry, that becomes negative and fearful about the future. Because my primary citizenship is in heaven, and my king is the king of kings, and there's nobody in this world that holds authority that he couldn't take care of if he needs taken care of. And there's, his kingdom knows no boundaries. And one day, we're going to reign with him in the new heaven and new earth. And it's all going to be his. It's all going to be ours. And this will be like a dream that's passed. So how about you? One of the cool benefits to me of getting this right and of getting patriotism in its right place is that you are freed from living in negativity and fear to living in hope and confidence. And if you need to be reminded of what our hope is, go back just a few weeks back in our messages online or in our podcast and listen to the one about reclaiming our true hope as Christians. It's not just a spiritual hope. This isn't the only physical life we get. This isn't the only country we'll ever be a citizen of. And when you have that mindset and you remember that Jesus is going to come back and that all the injustices and all the problems and all the Supreme Court misdecisions (laughs) and all of it is going to get straightened out. In the end, that's what we believe as Christians. That's our hope. And so let's pray together. God, we thank you for the privilege of being called Americans in this life that we live, in this life, in this day, in this age in which we live. We thank you, Lord, for the freedoms that we enjoy. 
We thank you, God, for the people and the men and women who laid down their lives so that we can enjoy these freedoms. So that we can meet in this public place and say these kinds of things that would be borderline treasonous in many nations of our world today and in days gone past. We thank you for that. We also confess that for many of us at least there's been times where we've given patriotism, our American patriotism, a place a little too high than perhaps it deserved. And we pray that you would help us to keep it in right perspective, to be more kingdom-minded, to be more hopeful and confident of the future because of who you are and because of what we have in you. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.